Life Audio. of balance. How do you live a balanced life in a world that is constantly screaming at you for attention? Maybe you struggle with this. Uh, I feel like I've had this conversation with many, many folks over the last several weeks, this conversation about balance. How do we have balance in our lives? There are a lot of important things for us to do, a lot of things that we need to get done, and yet we try to have a balanced life. You hear phrases like, work-life balance. What does it mean to have a work-life balance? How can we be balanced? We feel most of the time like we're out of control, and yet there is a path forward. I want to give you hope today. Uh, I want to give you hope as we talk about balance and how to have a balanced life. It may not be exactly what you are expecting or exactly what you think, but I believe there are some principles here that can help you. So we will talk about that, how to have balance in your life, when we come back in just a moment. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Hello and welcome to the March or Die show today. Very glad to have you joining me and uh, looking forward to this conversation. This is a, a, a conversation really between me and you, but it's one that I've been having, uh, it seems, as I mentioned in the opening, uh, it seems like I've been having this conversation again and again and again with folks. And uh, it's something that I've, I've spent a lot of time actually thinking about and thinking through and trying to understand. It's this idea of how we can live a life of balance. How do we have a life of balance? What exactly does that look like? I want to give you some thoughts and some perspectives on that. Before we jump into that, though, I will remind you two things. I remind you every single episode. I hope that you are doing both of these things. But the first one is this. If you're not yet subscribed to the podcast, please subscribe. Very important that you take a minute and subscribe. Uh, that, first of all, is very practical. It allows you to have episodes sent directly to your podcast platform of choice. You're spending time there anyhow. This will let you know when new episodes of this show come online, and I would love for you to have that. I don't want you to have to remember. Maybe you forget for a few weeks, then you come back to it. They'll be sent directly to you, and that can be very helpful. Uh, the second thing is uh, this helps me. As more people subscribe and more people listen, and this show is shared out more often, 
This gives me more opportunity to continue to develop content like this one that I hope is helpful to you and uh, to have these conversations. You can also stop by jeremystalnicker.com, jeremystalnicker.com. That's my website. And, and again, that's there as a convenience to you. Uh, I am kind of involved in a lot of different things. <laughs> I have a blog. I have some podcasts I'm involved in, this one and another one. Uh, there are connections to my social contacts, my bio, all that stuff is all over the place. The website is one place for you to find all of it. And so I would encourage you to check out my website, jeremystalnicker.com, and that would be great as well. All right. How do we have balance in our lives? This is a huge question. And I think uh, for most of us, there is a desire to live lives of balance. We want to have balanced lives. We want to be able to go through our days and then through our weeks, through our months and through our years, having good relationships and doing a good job uh, at our place of vocation, the place where we make money to do the other things that we do. We want to be a good parent if we're a good parent. We want to have great friendship relationships. We want to enjoy some hobbies. We want to be balanced. The problem is every one of those areas, whether it's your job, it could be your marital relationship, your relationship with your children, relationships with friends, uh, those other relationships outside of uh, maybe your normal everyday life. It could be your hobbies, uh, the stuff that you're interested in. Every one of those things is screaming for your attention all of the time. Now, we know on one hand that if we don't give attention to every one of those areas, then the areas not getting attention will fall or fail, depending on how important those areas are. It will either be a falling, a, a falling away, they go away, we just don't have a connection to them anymore, or a failure. If you're not paying attention to your spouse, that relationship will fail. If you're not paying attention to your kids, that relationship will fail. If you're not paying attention at work, that relationship will fail. Uh, so there is a consequence to not maintaining connection in all of these areas. But the question is, how do we do it? How do we do everything that we want to do? How do we maintain this, this kind of balance, this equilibrium, this go through life, uh, never too high, never too low, just continuing on in a good, solid way? How do we do it? Uh, I've thought a lot about this personally. I have uh, maybe a couple of uh, illustrations that I can relate to personally and I can share with you. But the concept of balance in your life, I think, first of all, is it's a difficult concept to get a hold of <laughs> because balance doesn't exist the way that we think it does. When most of us think about balance, we, we think about maybe there's movement to the left and right, but for the most part, there is an equilibrium, a level. We're neither high nor low. We're neither stressed out or so uh, relaxed that we can't get anything accomplished. Uh, there is a tension, but a good tension. It's a tension in a good way. It's that tension that keeps us moving forward, but at the right pace. That's how we think about balance. We think about a good night's sleep and healthy meals and happy relationships and very little friction. That's what balance sometimes, I think, in our minds feels like to us. And that's the goal. And that's what we're trying to accomplish. Balance, if we have it, is when every one of the areas of our life is equally as good right now as the others. <laughs> but that truly is not balance. That, that's not sustainable. It's not achievable. It's not something that we can actually accomplish in our lives. Now, we're going to talk about balance. But first, we have to talk about uh, definitions and perspectives. <laughs> 
when we think about balance, I think the best way to understand it is, is to stand up on both of your feet and think about what's happening as you stand there. Now, if you're an adult, you learned to walk a long time ago. You don't think about what it is to stand in place anymore. But why is it that if you stand in place, not touching anything for long enough, eventually you need to sit down or you need to lean against something? Why is that? Well, it's the weight of our bodies on top of our legs, of course. But more than anything, what fatigues our legs as we stand in one place, even stand, uh, quote unquote, still, <laughs> we're not moving, is the fact that there are micro movements and micro adjustments taking place constantly. You could not stand in one place without falling over if you weren't constantly changing directions. If your body, uh, that equilibrium in your ear canal was not sending signals to your brain and to your muscles to hold you up, to balance, to move from left to right, front to back, constantly making adjustments. You see, when we think about balance as something that is static, stationary, uh, it's in stasis, it's not moving. Balance means everything is level all of the time. We're misunderstanding what balance actually is. Balance is maintaining a sense of level and a sense of peace and a sense of equilibrium because we know when and how to adjust. Now, that is really important. <laughs> what I just said, that you need to get a hold of. And I am learning this. I've learned it. Then I forget it. And then I mess it up. And then I have to come back to it. But what is balance? Balance is achieved when we know when and how much to adjust. That's when balance happens. Balance happens when we are putting the pressure in the right place at the right time, and then we move somewhere else and put the pressure in that right place at that right time, and we constantly and consistently move from one area to the next, applying the necessary pressure to maintain balance. What does that look like? Well, a balanced, balanced life is a life that understands when to focus on work and when to focus at home and when to focus in other relationships and when to focus on even hobbies and things that we simply enjoy doing. When and where and how much do we focus in those areas? How do we maintain balance? And I think really that's the big question. We have to understand that maintaining balance doesn't mean there won't be times of difficulty, those, those times where we're moving a million miles an hour and low times, uh, there will be all of it. Balance is constantly adjusting to bring things back. Times when you're overly focused in one area and underly focused in another area, if underly is a real word, you're under focused in another area and then you realize that so you readjust and, and bring that back into balance and maybe something else starts to get out of uh, balance because you're focusing too much and you're bringing that back in. It's the constant assessment and the constant adjustment. But how do we do that? When I think about a great example of what I would define as balance. I have to think of the example that we have in the greatest example for other, every other area of our life, the example of Jesus in the Bible. A couple of verses. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 21 says this, Even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his 
steps. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse 21, the Apostle Peter is saying, Jesus is our example. He lived, <laughs> and he lived publicly so that you have an example to follow, so that you can follow his steps. In Hebrews chapter 12, I've read these verses so many times. If you listen to this podcast at all, you've probably heard me either read or recite these verses. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I've spent a lot of time there. I won't spend a lot of time uh, on that verse. But, but here's the picture. The picture is we're getting rid of the things that would keep us from moving forward, and we're running the race set before us. I've talked about this a lot. There is a race before us. It's an individual race. It's what we are supposed to accomplish, but it's a long race. It's more like a marathon than a sprint, and we need to run with patience that race. Get on the path and keep moving forward. How do we know where we're supposed to go? Verse number two tells us how looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's verse number two, and this passage goes on. It's a great passage. But the Bible tells us as we pursue the path that God has set in front of us, we do that by following Jesus Christ, our example. Peter called him an example in whose steps we should walk, in whose steps we should follow. Here, the author of Hebrews says, as you run the race in front of you, pursue Jesus. So he is our example. Now, I share that for this reason. Sometimes when we talk about areas of holiness, <laughs> those spiritual areas that are found in the Bible, we can understand the idea of following the example of Jesus Christ. We need to follow Jesus's example. But when it comes to the more practical, the mundane of everyday life, when it comes to doing work and having a good relationship at home and raising good kids and, and, and enjoying hobbies and enjoying the rest of life, that stuff, that's too mundane. It's too practical, if you will. It's not theological enough. It's not holy enough. It's not spiritual enough. So that does not have anything to do with the example of Christ. Here's the crazy thing, and I want you to think about this with me. I was thinking over the last week or so about the best example of balance anywhere in the world, and I thought about so many different examples and tried to come up with some anecdotes. Here it is. Check this out. Jesus Christ, God Almighty, God recognized, we talked a lot about this, that man is sinful that man could not have a relationship with him, that is God, because of sin. That man could never pay for his own sin because he's not God. He could be penalized for it, but he could never pay for it. He could never pay the price. And so God would have to do that. He would have to pay the price. John 3, 16 tells us that God loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus. Jesus is God. So many passages that we could go to in Scripture. Again, I've talked about this before, but God left heaven. He came to earth in the form of Jesus. He took human flesh on himself. He walked and lived to provide that example that we could follow. But he came for a singular purpose, for one purpose. Listen to me, for one purpose. 
Jesus was asked, why are you here? Why did you come? Why have you lived? Why are you going to die? Why are these things happening? In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said of himself, the Son of Man, that's a common phrase Jesus used to describe himself, Son of Man, Son of God. He said, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Why did Jesus come? To seek, that is to find, and then to save. Uh, that is encompassing of the entire uh, crucifixion, crucifixion and resurrection experience. To seek, that is to find the lost, and then to save them by dying on the cross, being buried, and then because he's God, rising again three days later, and in that process, defeating sin and death. Jesus, why did you come? I came to save man. Other passages that we could go to that would explain that. We've got a great illustration as Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying, preparing to go to the cross during this time of what we call the Passion. The soldiers came. <laughs> they were going to arrest Jesus. Jesus was betrayed. All of these events are taking place. You know the story. In the process, Peter jumps up and he cuts a servant's ear off and trying to defend Jesus somehow very awkwardly. And in that whole process, what did Jesus say? He said, I'm come to fulfill my purpose. I could call 10,000 angels if I wanted to, to get me out of this. But I'm here to die. I'm here to pay the price for sin. I'm here to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus, throughout his life, was never unsure of or unclear on his purpose on this planet. Again, so many other examples we could go to even in Scripture, but I want to start there. Jesus, the greatest example we have, knew why he came and what his overarching life's purpose was. But he did a lot of other things. Jesus we see in his life, and we have this recorded for us in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I love the Gospels because they give us such insight into the life of Christ. Uh, what else did he do? I mean, he was here for uh, 33 or so years. We don't know exactly, but we believe around 33 years uh, on this planet, lived in a family. His dad was a carpenter, probably worked with his dad, had a relationship with his mom. We know that because even as he hung on the cross, he, he made sure that his mother was taken care of. He had brothers that he was uh, responsible to. He had friends. He had other relationships. He mentored and taught those disciples, the apostles, that would continue to spread the good news that he had come and paid the price for sin. So he was a friend. He was a member of a family. He was a teacher and a mentor. He provided for others. We see that he would heal the sick, that he would provide food to those that needed food. So many different examples throughout the Gospels of Jesus, the provider. When we look at Christ on this earth, what we see is an example of what real balance actually looks like. Living to fulfill his purpose while maintaining relationships, teaching, training, caring for others, even moments in time where we see him getting off by himself, away from the crowd, so that he could rest 
recuperate, and get back into the work. Perfect balance. I love that because I see in the life of Christ so many different roles and so many different responsibilities and so many different things that he was a part of. And yet through it all, he accomplished everything that he needed to, dying for the sins of mankind, caring for his family, preparing those who would carry the gospel message forward, the reason that we're able to understand Christianity today, providing an example for us to follow, all while doing the big work. of redeeming mankind. So when we look at the life of Christ, what are some lessons that we learn about balance? I want to give you a few thoughts here. And uh, man, so many great things to think about. But looking at Christ, talking about balance and thinking about balance, what do we learn? Number one, he understood his purpose. I've already talked about this, but he understood his purpose. Jesus, why are you here? To seek and to save that which was lost. When Jesus was a young man, he was 12 years old or so. A story unfolds. He got separated from his family in Jerusalem. He ended up in the temple teaching. His mom asked him what was going on. He said, I've got a purpose. I'm doing my father's work. Eventually, he would die on the cross. He would resurrect. Uh, He would pay the price for mankind, of course. But then he would teach them for another couple of weeks, and then he would ascend back into heaven. He understood his purpose. This is where it begins. I think that many of us struggle with this idea of balance because we have not nailed down our purpose. What is it that God wants us to do with our lives? When the Bible in Hebrews 12, as I mentioned earlier, talks about running the race set before us. I've talked about this on other podcasts. I've written about this in the blog. You can find all of that if you'd like to go back and check that out. But when the Bible talks about running that race and the Bible talks about pursuing Christ, it's all with the purpose of God in mind. It's all understanding who God created us to be and moving into that. The problem is, so often, we're focused so much on the what is God's specific plan and purpose for my life that we're not doing the general big purpose and plan stuff that He has revealed. If you want to know the specific purpose and plan God has for your life, begin by doing the big stuff. That's not hard to understand. Revelation 4 and verse 11 tells us that we were created by God to worship Him. So begin with a life of worship, asking the question, how can I, in everything that I do, honor God? Make the decision and then live that decision out that your life is about honoring God. Everything. Asking the question, how can I honor God in this? The Bible says, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Start there. What is your purpose? Well, it begins by living to honor God. Everything trickles down from there. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. 
Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. How do I honor God in my work? By being honest, by being on time, by working hard, by giving everything that I uh, am responsible to give to this job and to this employer. It honors God. It reflects well on God. How do I honor uh, my wife or my husband in my marriage? You understand what the Bible says about even in that relationship, doing it as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Live a sacrificial life for your wife with Christ as the example. Wives, honor your husbands. Respect them as unto the Lord. Do it because you love God. With your kids, how do you honor God? You raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You pour into them every day the tools what, uh, that they need, uh, the opportunities you provide for them that they need to grow into the people that God created them to be, people that honor Him. We fail to understand God's specific purpose for our life, and I believe He has a specific purpose, because so often we fail to live out the, what I'll call, revealed purpose for our lives. Do what you know God wants you to do, and let God reveal the specifics in His time. And then as He does, lean into that. Move into that. Let Him use you. We're not all created the same. We don't have the same gifts and talents and opportunities. Some are great at this and some are great at that. And some could never do what someone else can, but they can do something completely different. God created you exactly how He wants you to be, to do exactly what He wants you to do. And as you begin by saying, I'll live to honor and glorify Him. And that happens when I know His Word and just decide I'm going to live that out then God begins to reveal in you what you're passionate about, those uh, inner, inner heart desires that He's given to you, the skills, the opportunities, the resources that He's placed in your hands to steward over. He begins to reveal those to you, and you use those still, continuing for His honor and for His glory. Jesus knew His purpose. And in understanding His purpose, that was at the top, Everything else then fell underneath. When you understand your purpose, first of all, to glorify God. Does trashing my body glorify God? It does not. <laughs> does working so much I never spend time with my family glorify God? It does not. Does investing only in a hobby to the exclusion of people that I care about, does that glorify God? It does not. There are places for all of those things, but all of those things must be in their place. And it falls under the big purpose of living a life that brings glory to God. Jesus understood his purpose. If you want balance in your life, you have to first settle your purpose. What is your purpose? How do you define that? How do you articulate that? Start with, my purpose is to live a life that glorifies God, brings honor to God. 
points other people to God, reflects God in my life. Second, though, we see that Jesus had different roles. I love this, and don't don't miss this, and don't dismiss this. He understood his purpose, as in to seek and to save that which was lost, but he had a lot of different roles. I think if we are not careful, we can feel bad about or even become bitter about the other roles that we have in our lives that are not necessarily connected to our purpose. It's interesting. There are a lot of voices, and particularly in the, even the podcasting space, the blogging space, the, um, I don't know, the space to men to do more. Maybe it's in the women's space as well. I don't know, but certainly in the men's space, it's this idea that if you just cared more, if you just worked harder, if you just cut everything else out and you were so hyper-focused on one thing, then you'd be better than you are. Now, I understand that conceptually. And I believe that if you really focus on one thing to the exclusion of others, you're going to get good at that one thing. But you need to also understand that you have a purpose, but underneath that purpose, you have different roles. Jesus did. He was the Savior. That's a pretty big purpose. If anyone could have said, I'm not doing anything else, it was the Savior. He was the Savior, but he was also a son. Imagine Jesus as your son. I bet he was a pretty good one. He was a sibling. He was a friend. He was a teacher and a mentor, as we talked about earlier. He was a provider. He understood his purpose, but he had multiple roles. And if you are a normal person living on this planet, then you not only have a purpose, but you have other roles. And that's okay. You should. But what you need to do with that is define those roles. So here's where we get out of control. We start to chase this thing and that thing and some other thing. We pursue something else. We never stop long enough to say, what roles has God given to me? And lined those out. You should have on a piece of paper, preferably, if not on a piece of paper, very clearly outlined in your mind, <laughs> these are my roles. I am a husband. I am a father. I am an employee, uh, an employee, I am a friend, line out those roles. And then when you see those roles lined out underneath the big purpose of glorifying God, you can begin to understand where things need time and effort and energy. Number three, connected to number two, each role was important, but not equal. Here we go. Sometimes you and I struggle with balance because we have figured out all of our roles, but we have also come to the conclusion that all of our roles are equal. Every role is important, but not every role is equal. Really simple example. My role as a husband to my wife is not equal to my role as a friend to those that I am friends with in this world. Both of those are important. I need to have friends and I need to be a friend. Uh, I need to 
maintain my relationship with my wife. Those are both important roles, but they're not equal roles. So when I'm looking at where to focus and where to give time and where to adjust, I need to understand that not all of my roles deserve or rate or demand as much time. Now, they'll all take as much time. But every role is different. We understand as well from Jesus that he focused in different places at different times. This is crazy. He focused in different places at different times. So he has established his purpose. Underneath that purpose, he had several roles, all of them important, but not all of them equal or the same. And as he lived his life, we see this example again given to us in the Gospels. He focused in different places at different times. We find him entirely focused on teaching people who were trying to understand uh, this, this thing about the Messiah and who Jesus was and what they needed. But we see him at times confronting other religious leaders. We see him caring enough to stop what he was doing and make sure there were food. Uh, there was food for the multitude of people that were gathered to hear him. We see him uh, holding children and talking about how precious and valuable they are, spending time with them. We see him teaching his disciples, not only the large crowd of followers, but that inner group of disciples. We see him at times focused by himself, praying with the Heavenly Father. Eventually, we see him going through the process of crucifixion. And even in the moment as he's hanging on the cross, going through the process of crucifixion, being murdered by his creation, paying this, the price for the sin of mankind, what did he do? He looked down and saw his mom and John <laughs> and said, John, you take care of my mom. Focused. There weren't walls up between these responsibilities or these roles. He was able to move from one to another. And at the right time, in the right way, in the right amount, to give focus where necessary. We understand finally that in the life of Christ, his roles and his responsibilities never conflicted. His roles and his responsibilities never conflicted. This is an important lesson for us to learn. If your roles and responsibilities are given to you by God, then they won't come into conflict. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be times when it feels like conflict, because <laughs> it will. But if you have roles and responsibilities given to you by God, then you'll be able to work through the necessary adjustments to make sure that every one of those roles and every one of those responsibilities is adequately cared for and focused on so that you can fully be in each one of those areas what God created you to be. When we begin to add a bunch of stuff that God doesn't desire to be in our lives, or we get out of balance in that we're treating roles that are less important uh, as though they're as important as some of the bigger stuff, or dedicating too much time, that's when friction comes. That's when things get out of whack. And our roles and our responsibilities should never conflict. Um, again, that doesn't mean there won't be tension and times you need to figure some stuff out. But if God put you in it, then God is going to give you the capacity and the intelligence to understand how to 
deal with it. Here's a great example that I, I like it because I have this conversation a lot. Work with a lot of military folks, and often the, the question will come up about when the service member, whether it's the husband or wife, but the service member is deployed. How do you deal with that? First of all, if you believe that your purpose is to glorify God, then when you're home, you're doing everything you can to develop a relationship with your spouse and with your kids and in those other areas that would reflect who God is and would glorify Him. So it begins with that. Also, if you're in the military and you're living to glorify God, then you should be confident that in the military is where God wants you to be. You've talked to others, that multitude of counselors that you find safety. You spent time reading the word and praying and talking to a spouse and surrounding yourself with other believers. And God works through each of those and brings you to a place where you understand this is where I need to be. So I've decided to live a life that glorifies God when I'm with my spouse, when I'm with my kids, and I'm other those, in those other relationships. Even as I'm taking time to rest and recuperate so I can be better in those areas, uh, I'm doing it to glorify God. And I believe I'm in the military. This is where God wants me to be. Then your responsibility to deploy is not going to diminish your responsibility to be a good husband and a good father. It'll make it difficult but it won't diminish it. Now, there are people who continue to put themselves in for deployments so they can be away from home. That's not what God would have for you. That's you doing something that's going to cause problems in your other areas of responsibility. But if you're pursuing the path that God has placed you on and you find yourself deployed, then when you're home, be home. This is the problem. Service member deploys, they then come home, the husband or the wife, the spouse, the kids, the others, they understood they were away for their job. They understood they were doing what they were called to do. But when they were home, they wanted them home. And the service member doesn't spend the time they need investing in those relationships they now need to invest in. You see, the right way is to be all you can be, the very best that you can be when you're away, focused, and be the very best that you can be focused when you're home and you continue to move through those areas of responsibility. That's what balance looks like. It's 100% focus in the area you're in right now and understanding when it's time to move and focus on another area. And if we realize that our roles and responsibilities won't conflict, then our time off, our leisure time, our hobbies, the things that we're involved in, and it should be stuff that we enjoy doing. We all need other things to be involved in. Uh, they distract our mind or refocus our energies or whatever the case. Um, those are good things, but they're good because they allow us to be more present in the other areas. We're present in our relationships. Uh, it's kind of like we're putting into a bank. So when we need to go and focus at work or focus somewhere else, the deposit has already been made and you can withdraw some of that and you're focused over here and then you're bringing it back. Balance isn't a complete peace, a lack of the ups and downs, a lack of difficulty or tension. Balance is understanding. I have a purpose. I have God-given responsibilities. And I need to adjust from one to the other as necessary. I think in terms of relationship, when we learn how to 
communicate what we're doing and why to those that we care about. That allows the adjustments to go so much better, so much smoother. We're honest. We have integrity. We have character. We are indeed living for God, and others can see that and understand that. And we're moving through our roles and responsibilities as God has laid out. We won't live a life without movement, but we'll live a life that is evaluating and understands when and where and how much pressure to put on. Balance. A life of balance. We talk about moving forward on this show all the time, and I think a lot of people stop moving forward because they've just fallen down. (laughs) So out of balance for so long. If you're out of balance for very long, you're going to hit the ground. We should strive for what we call balance. But we need to understand that balance doesn't mean you're you're not moving. Balance just means you know how to look from one place to, an, to the next and continue to focus where you need to focus. Adjust where you need to adjust. Starting with your God-given purpose, for fulfilling your God-given roles, and pursuing the example of Christ. I hope that's a help to you. Uh, maybe a starting point for you to begin thinking about these things, but a life of balance. Everyone wants it. I think everyone is confused about exactly even what that looks like. But if Jesus could provide an example of a balanced life, <laughs> a life that accomplished a whole bunch, uh, a life that started with the premise that he is the Savior, uh, a life that brought up those who would carry the gospel message forward, we are impacted today and continue to be impacted by what Jesus did with those disciples as he mentored and trained them, uh, the life of someone who cared for others. If Jesus could demonstrate that, then certainly as we pursue him, we can live that same life of impact and influence for the glory of God. Uh, Again, I hope that's a help to you. Take some time. If you have not yet, go over to lifeaudio.com, lifeaudio.com. That is the podcast platform, the platform where this podcast is found. And uh, I'd love for you to check out some of the other great hosts there. And uh, I look forward in the next couple of weeks to interviewing even a couple of them, those hosts on this show. So some great podcasts there. Please go and check that out. That would be fantastic. And I will remind you today, as I do every single week, when the bullets are flying your direction, when it seems like your world is falling apart, you only have two choices. We stay where you are and die, or will you march? The choice is always yours. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, These men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. 
Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. There's nothing in this world that He cannot do if we truly allow His love. We can do nothing without Him. Anything that we do apart from Him is not something that's permanent. We all need His grace. That's everybody. We are all broken people on our way to a place that we believe is, is waiting on us in heaven. You can find more of Bridges with Monica Schmelter at lifeaudio.com. In Christ, we are all one family. Amen.